The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond episode, I think, maybe 649 or 650, depending on when the other episode that's going to go up within hours of this episode goes up. Uh, We have so much PlayStation 5 news to talk about on this episode. There's just, there's so much Sony stuff. So I do want to say, if you're looking for The Last of Us Part 2 spoiler-free review cast, that is the other episode going up very shortly before or after this one. So please check that out if you want some Last of Us review impressions. You can hear all that then. But this episode is going to be all about the PlayStation 5 and the PS5 reveal event that, oh my God, showed so much. Uh, I'm joined this week by Brian Altana. Hey, Beyond. Beyond, Lucy O'Brien. Beyond. <laughs> and Max Scoville. PlayStation. Uh, guys, we, we have so much to talk about. It's amazing. See, like, the pipe was finally unblocked. <laughs> yeah, I like the number of episodes where we've been like, PlayStation games are coming soon. They're coming soon. Um, we're going to get into uh, all of our reactions to the biggest games, some of the you know strange games, and some of the stuff that we didn't see in this PlayStation 5 reveal event. Uh, if you haven't watched it, we'll have some of the B-roll going, but please go check out all of these really cool trailers. Uh, but I do want to start off, of course, with the console itself. Uh, we were all watching the show together. We were listening uh, and talking over Discord together. And throughout the whole show, we were all like, are they going to show it? Are they leading up to the console? And they led up to the console. They showed the design of the PS5. And in fact, they showed two designs. We have one with a disc uh, drive in it, and then also a, an all-digital edition, much like the Xbox One S Sad Edition. Um mm-hmm. We didn't get prices for this or a release date, but we did get a design. Uh, so I want to know, everyone, what did you think of this design? Lucy, uh, let's start with you, since I know the design has been a big thing for you. Well, I mean, you know, I as I said on our live stream, like, I've always wanted Sony to go, like, stupid crazy with this, because, like, console designs have got increasingly conservative over the years. And I've just, I, I said all along, like, make this like Homer's car, like, just add a whole bunch of weird to it, make it strange, like have a, you know, strange shape and, and and all that. And, you know, I got to say, they really delivered on this one. I mean, it is, a, it is a weird looking console. I mean, the memes are already starting as we speak, you know, the memes, the meme factory is generating. Um, it's, I, I love it. I have absolutely no idea how it's going to work aesthetically in my apartment. Um, but they have shown photos of it horizontally. I will say there are photos that show it. You can put it in your, you know, 
which is which is good. I I can't I can't not think of the the disc drive as a little like a little hernia. You know what I mean? Like you know like because I was like it's like it's like it's pregnant but but on the side, so it's more like a little hernia like on the mm-hmm. side there. I think if you um, looked head on, it would probably look like like the the discless version is us before we went into quarantine, and then there's the other version where we have like a you know we've gained the COVID nineteen and we have. Got that is exactly where my my thoughts went to. That's yeah, it's got a little pooch, you know. It needs you can work it off. You can lose that weight in like a week or two. You just gotta just clean eating, no beer for a couple of days. But why That's, would you want to do that? Yeah, it's no. The, 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 the PS5 deserves to eat some discs now and then. It wants to chow down, <laughs> have some snacks. Um, no, I, I, I'm totally with you guys. I, I this is probably one of the more surprising looking console reveals ever. Honestly, in terms of the first impressions, just in terms of like being something that is so completely non-traditional while immediately screaming video game console at you. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are being incredibly reductive and being like, it looks like a router. And uh, I'm old enough to know that they said the same stuff for the Nintendo Wii. Um, I think people like, they 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 get really bored when they just see a big black sideways box or vertical box, um, but they also don't want it to go too strange in another direction. I'm actually all for it. Uh, the interesting thing to me is that people have started to line up using the disk drive size and the USB uh, size in the front, exactly how much bigger or taller it would be than the Series X. And it's obviously thinner, um, but it is about five to six inches taller, which uh, is is pretty is pretty sizable like honestly um maybe could, could be four inches but it's either way it's this this is a significant size taller than uh the series x and it got me looking at my entertainment center um and wondering where how's this going to work in here do i put it sideways or put it vertical um but you know we the second we saw that controller i think we kind of hoped that it would aesthetically match the bizarre weirdness uh of how kind of like weird future futurism it, they went with that and the white and black color scheme and they delivered and I'm all for it. I we're you know, we've yet to see if there's any other colors that we'll see for it. Uh, but I, I remember when the series X came out, people were immediately like, Oh, you can put stickers on it. You can put skins on it. And I don't know if I want to do that with this, like at all. Like it feels like putting a bumper sticker on a Bentley, you know, it really feels like just by looking at it, that it went through so many different iterations that someone just said, okay, like let's just like let's just tear up the history books and start afresh and like just go nuts with it and like just go as crazy as you want and then we'll kind of like lower it from there and I'd really love to see some of those other designs because it does yeah. feel like we again we said this on the live show I think Altana you said it like it does feel like it could have been a mock up from a fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, and uh, somebody tweeted at me. Apparently, the guys at Game Explain had an almost exact reaction because they they've been covering Nintendo stuff so deeply over there for for years too. Um, in that year leading up to uh, a new console launch, there's always uh, these like bizarre 3D renders that come out that are these hyper futuristic, borderline gaudy, over the top, angular. There's like weird edges jutting out, and there's you know <laughs> crystals and lights. And you're it, the, the the one we get is never that interesting you know especially you look at the the ps4 it's very simple very modern and elegant and sleek even the the ps4 pro wasn't a huge leap over that this thing is just like this is a, a alien spaceship it's super weird and i really love it max what do you think i'm i'm super into it i like i also here's the thing about a game console is who like what why does it matter you know <laughs> like if you think it's a stupid looking thing to have in your house Wait till you see the video games you're going to be playing on it because you're going to be doing all sorts of like, you're going to have a cardboard box in your head, crashing cars into people. 
you're dropping out of a school bus with balloons on your head. Like it's just like video games are inherently they're playful and silly things. Like you can play the most aggro, you know, dude bro carbon fiber realistic possible, but you're still playing a game, you know? Like you're yeah, gonna be, you're gonna be fighting teenagers over the internet. So like maybe just loosen up a little bit. Like if you no. want if you want it, you know industrial grade hardcore you know technology like get it get a pc you know like I, i'm fine with this being kind of silly looking i also think that it was like really like in step with that entire presentation which is very much focused like on family friendly games for the most part you know what i mean like this really felt like they were positioning a new video game console with a whole bunch of games for the, the whole family you know what i mean whereas i feel like the xbox series x does not have that uh that that marketing spin at all it's very uh, much this is basically a pc that's a really good point like i feel like the switch was kind of an interesting turning point because a lot of adults jumped on it and that is very clearly a machine for children like that's a that's a toy you know yeah. and there's been this weird stretch of of video game hardware and we've all grown up with it where you know back in the day you know they were like video games are toys they're for children and then the, those children grow up and like i remember the first playstation came out and as a kid i was like well, that's kind of boring, you know. And like, you look at the N sixty four, and you are like, "Holy crap! It's got a it's got a purple, you know, three handled controller. That's wild. I am into that." And then, you know, as I got older, I wanted things to I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted things to look cool. But like now, I don't really care because it's a it's a machine that I use to play games because I never fully turned into an adult. So, like, well, there, I don't know. It's just... There is that weird, uh, you know, kind of creamy center of. Uh, <laughs> being an old jaded person who doesn't care how things look because you don't care about judgment anymore. Like, I'll, you know, I'll go to the store in, in, in sweatpants in 2020. I don't care. Like, and I'll, I'll buy just garbage. I don't care anymore. Um, but also when you're a child, like you would look at something like the PS five and be like, that is the coolest thing in the world. And the, the most futuristic thing I've ever owned compared to like children, children's toys are, are garbage looking. Uh, and I think that like the switch, it was sort of like an interesting, uh, so I, w- I would say that like the gray switch is probably the most minimalist and subdued Nintendo handheld console that we've seen since the Wii and the DS Lite. Um, but still def- definitely evocative of a children's toy. And the PS5 is kind of the same way. It is it is sleek. It is minimalist. It's, uh, you know, sexy is a word that gets thrown around a lot. I hate using that word to describe hardware. Um, but I, I can see why people are using it here. But there is that there is that part in your teens and your 20s where you're like, I'm too cool for this. And it, you're just like, you're either, you've uh, eclipsed the part where you can see why Cinnamon Toast Crunch tastes so good. And you've not yet reached the part we're old enough to stop caring what the world thinks of you. And so you'll get there. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I I've come back around. I definitely know what you mean. I've come back around and been like, this thing looks goofy and I can't wait to have it in my house. I think yeah. the digital edition looks more like what the design of the console is supposed to be. Uh, and like Lucy was saying, the disc drive is a little, a weird edition, mm-hmm. but um, I, I do think like Lucy was pointing out, it really does speak to both of their philosophies because Xbox wants you to think of their thing as an extension of your PC. They want you to play games on the PC, on the Xbox One, or on the Xbox Series X, they don't really care. PlayStation wants you to buy this new, weird, different thing, and it's going to really stand out and be something that you're not going to mistake for your other game consoles. Um, so, Hon- yeah, Honestly, think- no, uh, you guys you guys are totally right about this. Um, just to expand on this real quick, I think that that is a major, major point in the console wars, is to draw a clear, defined lines between generations and tell the audience this is why you need to move on to the new thing. And this, it'll be unmistakable seeing the PS4 and the PS5 on shelves next to each other. Uh, whereas 
the the series x and the one x and the you know one s and stuff like that and um what whatever the whatever lockhart. they want to lockhart landcroft whatever they want to call the next the next the, the baby version of that um i think it's really important to do that like I, I think that's one of the reasons the wii u failed so hard was because it was indistinguishable from what the wii was attempting to do it, it shipped with a lot of or required a lot of the same controllers i think you really need to tell consumers this is a new leap this is a new system these are exclusive games, and Microsoft is trying something very different here, and I'm, I support it, and I'll, I'll be purchasing one of those as well. But their whole philosophy of, like, no genuine, like, exclusive games in year one, everything will work across the board, and now your controllers will work the same and all that stuff like that. I think it's awesome, and it's incredibly consumer-friendly, but on the flip side, it doesn't really illustrate the generational divide and leap between the previous console and the new one. And for a console manufacturer that didn't actually come out on top this time around, I think it's important for them to do that. Whereas PlayStation, I think this is like a really bold, big, loud strategy for them. I think this was a phenomenal coming out party today to just go, here we are. We're starting a new generation. Here's who we have on our team. Um, and this is why this is this big, weird new thing is <laughs> going to be something you want by the end of this year. Yeah, absolutely. They really need to give us all a reason to buy into this thing. And that's what most of this uh, show is about. So let's jump into all of the games that were shown. And I think the biggest one to start off with is what's going to be a launch, if not day, window game for the PS5. It is the next Marvel Spider-Man from Insomniac. And that that opened the show as the, the first game aside from GTA 5, which we can get to later. But this was the first exclusive show and this was the first big game. And man, that is I could not think of a better system seller. Like that is the one of the biggest PS4 exclusives. It's the best-selling uh, superhero game of all time. Spider-Man is one of the most popular superheroes. What a way to tell people, hey, buy the PS5 because you get the next Spider-Man. What did you all I, think? I feel like we literally called this game almost beat for beat. In, in, in if you piecemeal together a bunch of conversations we've had <laughs> on the show, we specifically were like, we want a like a winter New York City version of the original spider-man game that sort of works either as a sequel or a side story um and obviously everybody wants miles morales um and so yeah this this was a this was fantastic this is like the best way to kick off a show again it like it's kind of speaks to that very like holiday focused period uh people are going to want to play this game uh it's going to be christmas you know it's 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 such a clever game to launch this system with for so many reasons. One thing that I just want to add is that, um, you know, we've been a lot of the the SSD talk that that we've sort of been hearing throughout the year, sort of drip fed throughout the year about how impressive the SSD is going to be. I think this is going to be an amazing showcase of that because remember when Mark Cerny was first showing Wired magazine back in the day uh, about what the you know the PlayStation Five could do, he used uh, Spider Man as an example of how like an open world can suddenly be there in the blink of an eye rather than like loaded loaded in after fifteen seconds. So I think a it's going to be a massive showcase. B it's going to be an incredibly family friendly uh, purchase. And 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 C it's exclusive to PlayStation Five. It's just such a it's such a win across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's it's really. It's smart because they could have also, they could all, I mean, it's still very possible that they come out and they're like, hey, here's here's Spider-Man remastered for PlayStation 5. But to be like, hey, you know what this game feels like on a PS4? Like, let's, here's what it's like, a new experience. But like, like, imagine if they, you know, if, what if like Infamous First Light had come out on PS4 Pro? Like, what if there'd been some kind of like little incremental thing where you're like, and it didn't matter because that game got a PS4 Pro patch anyway, but like that idea of being like, 
this is something that's familiar, but it's also got a layer of newness to it. So yep. you're not just revisiting, you know, old old territory. This is it's also like um that's it's rad for Sony to like launch this next generation of hardware by being like, hey, here's a black superhero. Like that's yeah. that's that's good shit. We need that and, right now. So And I do want to say on that point, they um after the fact uh Evan Narciss uh on Twitter announced that he is on the writing team for this game and he Oh um, awesome. Yeah, he he's written for Kotaku and IO9 and Time and a lot of publications. He wrote he wrote a really a really cool Black Panther comic. Exactly. Yeah, he wrote yeah, a really no, great uh Black Panther run. So he obviously that's a very important thing when they're gonna be telling a Miles story, uh, to have a black writer being able to give voice to Miles. So I, I it's this episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was gonna say, to add to that too. I mean, uh, Jonathan, you're you're like one of the biggest like Marvel movie fans I know. Um, this was already sort of uh, designed to be kind of a down year for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, they had obviously Black Widow, and pretty much everything else got pushed down the pipeline. And now movies, movie theaters basically don't exist. Period. And so to take one of the most iconic superhero characters of all time. In in a year that we can't really celebrate superhero movies in the theaters anymore, and thrust that story into a massive, gorgeous open world launch game on a brand new next gen console is about as cool as it gets. And it, it it like it made me really happy to know that like there's an entire generation of people that watched something like Spider Verse or watched Endgame, and uh, like a whole new generation of kids growing up like collecting toys and reading comics. And they're going to have this story on day one. Like yeah. I, there's there's been Spider-Man games in the past that have launched near systems, and I, they're they're never like this. You know, they're never on this level of quality. And we already know the quality we're going to get with this game because it's it's basically a, a spinoff slash semi sequel to yeah. one of the best games of the last generation. We we talk a lot about system sellers when uh, new consoles are launching, and I think it's hard, like, it's difficult to overstate how big this game will probably be as a next-generation launch, if not day, window game, because they said holiday 2020, and of course, we don't have any dates yet, but that clearly means it's going to come out around launch. Uh, I do want to mention, because this is, you know, the first next-gen Insomniac game we're going to get. Insomniac is the most recent first-party studio uh, to join after the success of Spider-Man. But they've been a long-running partner with PlayStation, and one of those long-running partnerships has been Ratchet & Clank, which is also coming back on PS5. Um, I think the two-hander of this one shows that, like, damn, Insomniac was a really good pickup as a PS uh, PlayStation first-party team. Like, here you go, two of the best showings from this show. But uh, I thought that trailer, like, whether or not you're a longtime Ratchet fan like me or a longtime listener and viewer of the show K-Babs, or if you're newer to the series, uh, this looked like, this was a great trailer and I think a showcase for the PS5 SSD. What did you all think of the Rift oh, Apart trailer? I, I, I mean, uh, I, I just want to say that, like, Dodo, I totally agree. Um, I'd, I don't really know Ratchet & Clank. I never played Ratchet & Clank. Um, but this was the best showcase of what the tech can do uh in the whole of the conference or whatever what are we calling this little uh digital event uh you know it was it was very much like you could see that that ssd at work and it looked different it looked better and and crazier and more ambitious than anything you would be able to do on this gen hardware and so you know, for, for my money, this was actually the most impressive demo because, like, it was like, okay, this is this is the this is next gen. This is like you will only be able to play this on a next gen machine. Like, you could not play this on a PlayStation Four, and that, in my mind, just like totally sells it. Yeah, the um, sort of instantaneous loading between areas uh, was wildly creative and at the at the simultaneously. Te technically incredibly impressive this is also a like through and through exclusive just like spider-man was and this is you know we're going to see a lot of next-gen tech demos over the next six months um this one feels really far along like it feels this doesn't feel like this is a game where they were like here's a logo or here's some character art or here's like a little bit of a of a demo this one feels like it's like it's running and it's firing on all cylinders and there's insane things happening all over the screen and nothing is hiccuping and obviously it's a tech demo and you know they're they they buttoned it up to make to make it look as good as possible but i wouldn't be surprised if we were playing this game within you know six to eight months of 
of the system launching because it, it looks really polished and looks really far along. No, I was I was saying in the the post show we did, but if I hadn't played that last game, I would think this was just bullshit. Like it, it the way that's like the the part where he's like you know tearing through rifts and and jumping around. It's like that looks it it looks like like a trailer. Like it looks pre rendered. It looks nonsense. But I think that's the whole point is that that's the kind of weird like just entirely sort of repopulating the screen with something brand new at the you know you know snap of a processor or whatever like whatever it's it's also it's it's interesting because with games we're always torn between like you want to show off new hardware are you going to go with like the most hyper realistic thing possible and try to like you know breach that uncanny valley or are you going to show something that no one's ever seen before and be like you're you're playing a a, a pixar movie having a manic episode you know like it's yeah and this is I don't know. This is cool. It's also, it, you know, I, I forget this because I was kind of uh, a little bit older when the Ratchet games showed up, but like a lot of people have a ton of nostalgia for this. And Jonathan, you're a perfect example of that. So, yeah, it's uh, like everyone was saying, I think a really great showcase because Ratchet, you know, just jumped from one universe to the other. He's not walking through a hallway to get to the next universe. It really did show what they've been telling us about the <laughs> SSD for so long. Uh, I do want to get, though, to another uh, first party game, no date on this one like Ratchet, but uh, a unsurprising sequel announcement, but I think one we're all really excited about. Horizon Zero Dawn 2, a.k.a. Horizon Forbidden West. Um, <laughs> they they chose a name. Uh, they had to choose some words, and they put different new words into the title. I forget, of- like, I, I, I'm at the point with, like, video game names, and even movie names, I guess, at this point, where, like, they all have, and because I've got quarantine brain, you know, where things don't really stick like they used to. Um, like, I keep getting it wrong. I keep thinking it's called Horizon Three Kingdoms. Why do I think that? <laughs> Why do I think that? Well, it is. It, it is, is Three thing. Kingdoms. Was yeah. Three Kingdoms ever a thing? Was there ever yeah. a property? Fire called? Emblem Three Houses? Yeah. Maybe. I think, I think Maybe. Three Kingdoms is a restaurant. Well, anyway, in my head, it's called Horizon Three Kingdoms, and I do want to say that it looks remarkable. It looks magnificent. I love it. Yeah, I no, it looks stunning. It's it's definitely it's following the naming convention of the Frozen Wilds DLC uh, in terms of, like you said, Lucy, just sort of like kind of like a word salad, just grabbing a couple of words and gluing them together. Um, well, I think if we say it a hundred times, we'll get used to it. But more importantly, uh, I really, really love how they're m- much more leaning into this sort of like living breathing essence of this world um i feel like they scratched the surface with the last one with sort of you know ancillary foxes running around and things that you could (laughs) smash with your rod to create new pouches and such uh but in this in this it looks like they're they're doing like there was that thing where they zoomed in on like a like a, a crab and a fish and then you zoom out and you're underwater and it's got this whole sort of like subterranean temple look to it there's obviously going to be underwater combat and traversal um i don't know how you'll get around the world but i imagine like you had that weird like robot horse in the last game maybe you'll get like a robot boat this time like just a regular boat um it it's 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 giving me sort of like wind waker vibes on the overworld area where it's it panned out and it showed how much it was sort of water worlded and and flooded over um but obviously you see there's the tremendous diversity in the uh topography and environments here and that's really what this is all about like so one of my favorite things about the last game was just how incredibly video gamey it was where you went from like lava lava land to like you know uh ice zone and it was all like tied together with this very serious story but it's also pretty much about fighting giant robot beasts and so yeah i'm so glad they're making this game and i can't wait to see how it looks on ps5 
things that we also can't kind of even fathom, even from watching this trailer, is that because loading times are essentially eliminated, that means that environments are able to be way more detailed. There are no, like, there's no longer going to be this long, like, vast stretches of nothing. Like, we are going to see the most incredible kind of minute to minute environments. And, like, Horizon Zero Dawn already had such a fantastic, uh, like, gamescape. Yep. I don't know where that came from, um, but you know, it, and 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 to sort of think of of what can be done on the PlayStation Five in this universe is is so exciting, like just so exciting to me. No, I mean, Zero Dawn might be the best looking video game of this generation. I mean, it's definitely up for debate, but I think it's up there, like in terms of just the sheer amount of detail that went into that world. Um, I mean, you could even the fact that when uh, Kojima used the Decima engine and took almost everything out, <laughs> it still looked gorgeous. You know, like even just the rocks in that game looked amazing. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm fully of the the school of thought that video game sequels are, or at least number two sequels, are almost always better than the first iteration because you get a chance to go back and tweak the things, unless you totally throw out the whole rule book and just screw everything up. Um, but I think that's it's there's a very good chance that this is sort of you know, you look at, you look at like, I don't know, Doom 2, Uncharted 2, like stuff where it kind of just, you know, Super Mario worlds it and just steps, step, yeah. exactly, yeah, steps yeah. the formula forward a bit. So, yeah. um, no, it'll be impressive. And I, I want to see what that looks like for the technology. Like, I want to see like what, like one of my, I think, you know, one of my issues with the first game is sort of how structurally video gamey it is and how like there's just very clear cut areas. But if they really like double down on being like, you know, here's an ecosystem. Some of it will try to kill you, and some of it is your friend. Have fun, you know. Like that's that's what I want to see. So yeah, there's there's a lot of potential there, and especially as everyone's been saying, seeing how they continue to evolve the Decima engine is going to be really exciting. Don't have a date on that one yet, but I expect we'll see more in the months to come. Um, on the exclusive front, there were a lot of other games. I just want to quickly give a shout out to Returnal because Housemark is awesome. Uh, the Resogun Next Machina alienation devs it's great to see them back with a different perspective game but one that seems to stay true to their shoot 'em up roots and shout uh, out to uh middle-aged irish women protagonists exactly <laughs> yes she was a little she was she was a, a little uh she was a little bit on the on the older side than the usual video game protagonist and i was like very true shout out to you lady there was actually there was a a lot of uh female characters front and center in a lot of the trailers and reveals today which was definitely cool to see it was great um, yeah obviously a big shift over I don't know, say 10 years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, the the year of dads from uh, even just a few years ago at the Sony press conferences, it's a bit different now. Uh, but the the other exclusive I definitely want us to touch on is, of course, the Demon Souls Bluepoint games remake. Uh, we've been hearing Bluepoint's been working on a PS5 game for a while. It is a beautiful Demon Souls remake that uh, Shuhei got to introduce on the stream. And it is, uh, that is one pretty looking remake. Um, I didn't get to play the original Demon Souls. I played it for like 20 minutes and then bounced back in the day. But uh, as I know, we have a lot of Soulsborne fans on the show. What did you all think of this, the first look at this? It's absolutely stunning. I, I've, I saw some, um, some side-by-sides kicking around on Twitter that some fans have put together um which one the specifically it was the uh tower knight who like is seen in the trailer he's the dude with the gigantic shield um and the amount of detail they've just done around him is is definitely on par with like, like kind of what we saw with shadow of the colossus um and i think that structurally they kept that game pretty intact and i think that'll probably be the same thing this time around but i'm wondering what sort of tweaks are happening under under the hood 
but um do we know when we're going to be playing this game like is this launch is this launch window like no date right nothing in the emails or blog posts i've seen yet you know given the track record of the show they'll probably announce that as soon as we wrap up but um yeah nothing yet i'm surprised i thought this would have been sort of a like launch game highlight but uh maybe maybe it's coming in the first year we don't really have a clear idea no, I yeah. never really played much of the original, and so this is going to be a brand new game for me, and I'm I'm super hyped for that. Yeah, I, um, that's right. It's going back to the original, like so many people missed it the first time around. Like now they get the opportunity to do that without kind of feeling like they're going back a significant generational step. Which is the entire philosophy and, and point of like a good remake, you know? Like mm-hmm. I think that's why like a company like Blue Point exists is to is to sort of modernize classic games like this and bring them to a whole new audience. My experience with Demon's Souls is like in an era when I didn't have a PS3, hearing that this was a very hard game and that a lot of people didn't like it because it was too hard. And there was there wasn't that like there wasn't that Dark Souls conversation quite yet. Uh and then hearing that somebody had managed to speed run it in like 32 minutes and then pulling that up and watching it and being like, Holy mother of God, like he's just he's just half naked and just sprinting through this like horrible castle full of like flaming balls and, and skeleton men. And then it was free on PlayStation Plus, and I was like, I want to try that too. And I, I, I made it through like I don't know, like two areas, and I was like, just like you know, just Benny Hill in it through the through this castle, and then just getting like clobbered, and then being like, I should try to actually play this, but having no idea how to start, like no, you know, no feedback from friends or like any of the stuff that got me into Bloodborne, and just being like, this is impossible, and then giving up. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Like, I I hope that they. Like obviously you don't wanna you don't wanna mess with a thing that people love dearly. You don't wanna like, you know, fuss with a masterpiece, but like quality of life stuff, load times. Um I, I don't I don't know what, what doesn't hold up about the original because I clearly never got into it, but obviously like a PS3 game from what was that, two thousand nine, eight, something like that? It was um, I think yeah, it was eight or nine, because I I was playing it right before I moved to Australia, which was twenty ten. Okay. So yeah, like it's easy to be like yeah those games hold up just fine but like if you go back you're like there's like weird you know load time stuff there's like odd differences in how you save your game like just little little things we've gotten used to with how video games are constantly kind of shifting and evolving so hopefully they can kind of mess with that a little bit yeah Um, it it came out in uh 2009 uh in japan and north america so yeah to see what they are able to do after so much of that genre has taken off the hell was i playing it in new zealand (laughs) Like that is that is weird. We never usually got those kind of. You stole it. I don't know. I bought it secondhand. That's for sure. Okay. Anyway, yeah. continue. No, no, it's all good. Um, but yeah, that that definitely is a big one that I think we're all excited, and obviously the dedicated PlayStation audience is excited to see. There are a lot of other exclusives, uh, but I do want to get to some third party stuff. Uh, I, I do think it was great that they showed family friendly stuff on the first party side, like Astro's Playroom and Sackboys big adventure um smart of them to keep all of that stuff and of course Gran Turismo 7 in the fold but uh on the third party note I do want to touch on two big Bethesda games that were part of this uh Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo which are according to the blog posts on the PlayStation blog that came out after both console exclusive to the PS5 they're going to also be on PC but these are both games that we all thought were going to be multi-plat and are going to be PS5 exclusives Deathloop this holiday that's coming, you know, in the launch window. Those are really big, surprising gets to me. I don't know how you all felt about these debuts for them, but uh, those Loop. are pretty impressive things to have. Yeah, like Deathloop is just, oh, it's so 
I mean, it's dishonored, but with this kind of like rewind sort of like uh what's the what's the Tom Cruise Emily Blunt movie? The the you know what I mean. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with that kind feet. of Yeah. Alternate alternate title. Yeah, yeah. Um and like again, it's just like Arcane is so good at this stuff. Arcane is so good at this kind of like vertical traversal that we're seeing here. It's so good at these like powers that make you feel very godlike. And like with this added twist of this of this time loop and, and two two protagonists, it seems, and also this very kind of unexpected, almost like grindhouse kind of aesthetic that they're going yep. for. It's like it's like unlike anything I've seen Arcane do before. And I'm so I mean, apart from the vertical traversal and the, you know, the superpowers and everything that I just mentioned, but it, it seems like a real evolution for them. And I'm really, yeah, I just I want to play this. Like this is one of those games where I was like, I immediately want to play it now. I have a sneaking suspicion we still don't understand what this game is exactly. Like I get the I I, I think I talked about this at the reveal last year because it's it's sort of harping on some themes like the fact that you're on this you're in this world and you've got to kill eight people but there's one person trying to kill you. Like I feel like there's going to be some kind of weird, you know, like ambient late multiplayer like aspect to it. Um and I don't know what that looks like. Like I don't know if that's I might be imagining things it could entirely be a single player experience but I, there's also the chance that maybe this assassin will like learn from how you approach stuff and gives you a title like an entirely different, you know, experience. However you play, uh, I'm really hoping that this is, I guess, open world or at least like it, they just kind of turn you loose on this island where you're like, you'll kill all these eight people, kill this wolf dog man, like go, go forth. Like there's something about having having like really just true freedom and getting like turned loose. And I get the feeling that you know with how the Dishonored series kind of evolved. They, they've always been kind of playing within the confines of the technology they have at hand, but giving that team, uh, you know, I don't know, like a, a new SSD that doesn't, that kind of eliminates immediate load times. Like that could allow for some really interesting experiences. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that one looks really exciting. I'm also curious to hear what you all think about uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, the other Bethesda published game. This is from uh, Tango, which is uh, Shinji Mikami's studio. Uh, this was the one that was originally being directed by Akumi Nakamura, who left the game last year. And so I was surprised to see this one show up. I thought it was going to be a little further down the line. But uh, Lucy, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it looked great. I still would really like to know that story because by all accounts, this was uh, Akumi Nakamura's idea, right? And so, you know, I'm, I kind of want to know where this project is at. It seems like Shinji Mikami has maybe come on board and, and taken more of an active role than, than he uh, initially had. Um, I think it looks very, very uh, different to how I had imagined. Uh, it's kind of got like this control slash... Uh, you know, dishonored vibe to it. Uh, again, you know, it's got that kind of like arcane, like powers. I mean, it's also very Bioshocky as well. Um, and it's a little less like straight, like traditional horror than I expected, even though it has some very, very uh, recognizable ho- horror tropes. You know, the the Slender Man, the guy in the the with the white face and the and the tux, and the, and then you know the the headless uh, schoolgirl. I mean, there's a lot of horror stuff going on, but it's also a lot more frenetic. It's a lot more uh, psychedelic than I had uh, anticipated. And yeah, again, this is like both Bethesda reveals, they looked really cool, but we didn't quite get a grasp of how they play. So like, that's what I want to know next. Yeah, this was a, a really interesting one. Max, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I was completely thrown for a loop to see it in first person. Because I, I feel like, the way it was presented initially, especially with like 
you know, Shinji Mikami coming out, like, you know, with knowing that this is the same studio that did Evil Within. And maybe that's on me for just making, you know, having expectations. But and I haven't gone back and watched the the first reveal, but I feel like that was much more, uh, you know, environmental exploration, third person stuff. And it looked like a, you know, kind of Tokyo based survival horror game. And now it looks it looks bonkers. It looks like, I don't know, Shadow Warrior or something like it still looks cool, but it looks like an entirely different game, which is yeah. on me for I guess assuming too much in the first reveal. So, mm. yeah, that's, no, definitely... that's on you. Like, I think that like the Evil Within was a very clear uh, evolution of Resident Evil. Like, I think it was just where Shinji wanted to take survival horror next, and this is very different from from that. Mm-hmm. This is not like the next iteration of Evil Within. This is something new entirely. Yeah, I, I think we were all sort of expecting a spiritual sequel almost to the Evil Within, and it's, yeah. it's definitely looking different. So I'm excited to go hands on with that one. That one's 2021, so we'll see it soon. Uh, but continuing on the horror and Resident Evil front, we did get Resident Evil Eight or Resident Evil Village the VIII, uh, coming out in 2021. This is for PS4, Xbox Series X, and PC. Um, all of the rumors that we've been hearing about it seem to be true. There's Werewolf Men, uh, Chris Redfield's in there. Um, there's both the village aspect, but also a mansion. Um, I know we have some some true love for Resident Evil on this franchise, or on this podcast, so Brian, I'll start with you. What did you think of the reveal? Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with this. I'm completely all for it incredibly excited i think uh bringing in a bunch of other weird ghastly beasts such as the werewolves and the witches is super cool uh they released some key art uh right after the the trailer they basically put out a special developer message that has this bizarre uh almost like gold wreath covered in crow feathers with like this nightmarish upside down kind of uh it's almost looks like a like an infant baby, but twisted and gnarled, like just good creepy stuff. And they said, oh, you might want to pay extra attention to this one. And people are theorizing that um, there's uh, Las Plagas, which was the um, the sort of infection cult that happened in Resident Evil 4. Obviously, huge, huge sort of uh, connections to Resident Evil 4 in terms of there's a giant castle setting, there's a cult in a town, the rural, you know, kind of back area, backwards setting. Um, the other thing, too, that people are pointing out is that uh, the currency in this game is Lie or LEI, which is Romanian currency, home of the Transylvania. <laughs> and so people <laughs> might have a theory that there could be a sort of like Dracula connection to this, like I mean, maybe this, maybe in this game you're fighting werewolves and witches and mermen, and by the end you fight Dracula. Who knows? Like, it's coming um, in the woods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Throw it all in but there. Um, the, the the currency is also a throwback to to Resi Four as well. You know, yeah. it really feels like we're going back to some of the weirder aspects of the series, which I'm so all here for. Mm-hmm. Currency means that uh, we'll probably need a merchant, which I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the newly sort of overhauled um, inventory system, which is a slight departure from seven, which I thought was pretty cumbersome. Um, four has one of my most like favorite cathartic inventory systems of all time. I've spent countless hours just like organizing my grenades in a row and ver- you know vertically rotating my ammo cases so they're all you know color coded. Um, this looks like obviously in line with Resident Evil 2 and 3 in terms of inventory system. So I'm into that. We The trailer showed um, some really interesting elements in terms of the villagers who look a lot obviously more fleshed out than the stuff we've seen in 4. Uh, but also the character models, which are pretty bizarre and freaky looking. Uh, right down to Chris Redfield, who they're essentially implying is a like 
kind of roided up villain now, I guess from punching boulders and stuff. And uh, like, if you look at like the skin texture on some of these characters, like they revealed like high res 4K screenshots of the stuff. Um, it's all stunning. Uh, we don't know when we'll be playing this right now. Uh, 2021 is pretty much all we have to count on. But um, considering we're already halfway through this nightmare year, that's just bring it on. Let's get through it and get to the good stuff. I can't wait for this. It's love that like okay. Resident Evil has just become a thing again, right? Yeah. Like, sorry, Max, I jumped in, but yeah, no, it's just right. like we was we was suffering us fans for a long time, you know, around six, and maybe you know some of the weaker entries of Revelations too. It was like, oh, no more. <laughs> I just put this out of its misery, and then along came seven, and all of a sudden these remakes, and it's just like it's such an amazing time to be a fan again. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it seems like they really with the later entries that were causing problems they were trying to do too much in one game and now they're just like let's just split it up and have like clearly defined goals for different different projects uh presumably hopefully we those rumors about re4 remake are still true um but this looks like a a wonderful sort of i don't know i still haven't jumped into seven because for whatever reason scary stuff isn't scary in third person to me but first person makes me pee and poop in my pants um this looks more it it looks less like claustrophobic like creepy you know hoarder house horror and more like, oh no, the werewolf is here. You have to fight him, which is like more <laughs> my speed. Uh, I just, I, I appreciate, like we heard those rumors where it was like, there's going to be witches and a haunted castle full of ghosts and there's going to be werewolves. And I'm like, people are like, that sounds dumb. That sounds like universal monsters, but I'm here for it. Like mm-hmm. they, that's that's a challenge for them. That's them. Will you, will you cool it? No, <laughs> I think I, about I, of werewolves. I think about like one of my favorite aspects of Resident Evil 4 is when you're in the village and you hear a chainsaw revving and sometimes you don't turn around fast enough and you get your head lobbed off. And I love the idea of just like you fending off an army of villagers and they're all mutated and deformed. But then all of a sudden, like you hear a howl and there's like this (laughs) giant wolf claw rips your neck out. Like that sounds amazing to me. That is so extremely my shit. They were showing a lot of forest shots and like pans where all of the trees were kind of occluding your vision and it felt very much like a almost Blair Witch like but like what's going on just beneath or just past that tree I can't see it it's probably going to try to kill me like there's yeah which is like fascinatingly is is kind of the video game realization of what some of the um, international covers for Resident Evil 4 looked like the one we got in America was like pretty actiony and straightforward Uh, but some of the ones they got overseas of this sort of like silhouette forest line and the chainsaw man just standing there like Texas Chainsaw Massacre like this feels like it's it's picking up on that. I I could not be more excited for this game. Yeah, that one's exciting to see. <laughs> um, and and given the recent release dates for the franchise, hopefully it's coming out early in uh, 2021. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that one soon. Uh, I do want to get to some of the indie, more unexpected stuff because you know we'll probably talk about GTA in the future. But GTA 5 is also coming to PS5 if you didn't see it at the beginning of the show. Um, I do want to talk about some of the cool indie stuff that we saw. Uh, specifically, I wanted to start off with. Uh, the Anna Perna inter- interactive published Stray, where you uh, you're seemingly playing a cat, a cute cat in a sci-fi cyberpunk world. Uh, this got a, this got shown oh, off like years ago. Like this was originally titled HK, uh, and it was one of those like cool demos that was just kind of kicking around Twitter. There were a handful of gifts of it. People were like, "This looks great," and then it just kind of went quiet. And I'm so happy to hear that it's actually coming out and actually being, so it's, it's also weird to be like, Ooh, world premiere. Oh my God, this looks amazing. I can't wait. And then just be like, Oh, I could have already seen this like years ago. Like, I, so I don't know. I, I'm also down to play as a cat. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I think it's about time. This is it's 2020. Why haven't we played as a cat in a cyberpunk setting? I mean, it's obscene that it's taken this long, right? Um, I just lo- like I I love it. It's it seems really stupid and really awesome at the same time, which is like the two things I love the most. Like, you know, I love this idea of playing as a cat through a very kind of intricate maze of cyberpunk inspired environments and 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 you know cats are weird and eccentric and erratic and cyberpunk is too and i just i i think it's a marriage made in heaven like so good and uh another one that really stood out to me and i think stood out to all of us as we were watching was uh little devil inside which had a really unexpected weird trailer this is another one that's been out there for a while i believe um but this was uh brian this one stuck out to you right Oh yeah, yeah. This was uh, like, what was what was your take on this? Because I feel like on our post show, I yelled about this for like twenty five minutes. But I like, I loved the jumps between, I, I guess, warfare, like these action shots in the forest, uh, shooting a bear in the butt, and you know, have, fighting these weird monsters, and then just seemingly uptight British men on the toilet or in bed. Um, the like weird back and forth of tone in this, I sort of loved, and I don't have like a full sense of what the game is going to be. But I no, want to know. yeah, I know. I'm totally with you. I think that the um uh the sort of like slapstick googly eyes are doing a lot of the heavy lifting out of the, like the drudge and despair and and sort of darkness that this game is carrying in general. Like it, it reminds me of uh, a lot of like like sort of old like claymation stuff that you would see around the holidays or like those. There's that weird like Christian claymation show that aired on Sunday mornings that I watched as a kid because I was like I just want to watch anything cartoon shaped. <laughs> um, this this is a really interesting looking game to me and i i'm i'm really happy that that it got some shine in here today because i don't know exactly how it'll play out like if it if it's soulsy or if it's got survival elements but i really really love the art style i love the switching back and forth between the perspectives or at least storylines like i'm not sure if there's going to be like this undercurrent story where you basically have to flash back to the old man and he's takes he takes a dump and then you go back into, so, into the battlefield and this is this was on steam Greenlight as of 2015 and it had a kickstarter i think earlier this year i've got the description here this little devil inside is a truly engaging 3d action adventure rpg where you are thrown into a surreal but somewhat familiar setting with men women or men presumably women creatures and monsters to interact with learn and hunt survive and discover the world that exists beyond the gameplay atmospheric gameplay experience mission-driven interconnected storyline freedom of play yeah it's it sounds like it's doing everything like there's survival <laughs> getting there's a combat. lot yeah yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, I, yeah it's an interesting one but it's one that i want to keep an eye on after that showing because it was so singular uh in, in some of what we saw that I'm, I'm excited to learn more about that one for sure um as we're sort of getting toward the wrap-up though was there anything else that stuck out to any of you like certain game wise or just like closing thoughts on the show as a whole uh max i'll start with you um yeah i don't know i are we are we talking about our just our feelings on the overall presentation yeah yeah let's just talk about the overall thing as we wrap up like here's the thing i'm gonna buy a playstation 5 i'm excited to see what it looks like and i kind of it's it's nice to have a, a, a as much as i'm like it's just a dumb box you're gonna play games on it that being said, like I'm still unsure exactly what games I'm gonna be playing on it after I take it out of the box and put it in my entertainment center. Hopefully it fits in there. But like as far as the sort of you know launch lineup presentation, this felt like a little bit lopsided and I'm 
like I'm definitely going to get a PlayStation 5. I'm currently not super excited about it just because what's it going to do that I haven't already that I'm not able going to be doing with my PS4, you know? If that makes any sense? Mhm. For sure, Brian, what about you? Um yeah, I think like I I I halfway get where you're going, Max, but I'm I'm like also weirdly like super excited for it because I feel like it's going to feel like a big enough leap once you take it out of the box and it looks different than anything you own already. And then you set it up, it'll have a, a brand new UI. Like we have been running off of the same PlayStation UI for basically seven years now. And even like anything subtle in terms of haptic feedback and 3d audio and all that. And, and like instant load times, I think that all of that stuff is going to sort of congeal to make an experience that feels new in terms of the games we're seeing right now. I'm totally with you. It doesn't nothing like, like they they look phenomenal, but there wasn't really like a thing that you're like you you absolutely couldn't be mm-hmm. able to do this on current gen. That said, I mean we we watched the live stream on Twitch, and so like this is we'll learn more once we have it in our hands. I want to know more, and I'm excited to know more. That's you know yeah I'm, yeah. I will I will say too real real quick just a footnote that this is that this is like this is the closest I felt to like that really like that E3 feeling, you know yeah. like that that excitement of like like all of us being in the same room, watching a conference together and like clapping and cheering. Um, yeah. And I think, I think I know why we didn't need that last week and I'm glad we didn't have it last week, but I'm glad we had it this year at some point because um, it helped a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And Lucy, what about you? Uh, I'll just, you know, I, I think it was a really strong showing. Um, it, it was, it was very E3 ish. It felt so good to see new games by like a, a, a huge eclectic, bunch of developers um one thing i wish they would have done is shown some spider-man gameplay i think what uh we were missing from that uh this this whole thing was this kind of again just that that leap like and i i understand max where you're coming from but i i truly believe that we will be able to see this leap in in action i i I believe it, it can be um expressed through a demo that we will watch on our screens. I think Ratchet and Clank almost got there. Like it really did. Like with those jumping through the the environments that just quickly just, you know, there was no loading times whatsoever um, or, or hitches whatsoever. Um, I think that Spider-Man would have like a little bit of gameplay would have gone a long way to really cementing what the PlayStation 5 can do rather than what we will see on the PlayStation 5. Yeah. I, I think we're going to, thankfully with that game, you know, being, no more than six months away we're probably going to get to see more of it pretty soon and it's kind of nuts to think that in one year sony first party is giving us dreams ghost of tsushima the last of us part two and a new spider-man uh among whatever else you know it, it's a uh, not a bad playstation exclusive year uh behind us and coming up ahead but uh that's going to wrap up our thoughts uh on the playstation conference for now i'm sure after a few more days we can come back and talk about it next week and probably have so much more to say because there are so many other games. But uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Lucy, for joining me for this episode and for this whole day of discussing this conference. It was very exciting. And, and Jonathan, thank you for hosting dozens of episodes of this show where there was no PlayStation 5. <laughs> this and still like making big... it super entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk about it. It's great. Big collective sigh. Of... Finally, some food, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to finally so... have. So hungry for so long. We finally get a tidbit, a little bit of bread. It's and a full year of that gift where the guy opens the fridge and he's like, and he's like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of months straight of stuff to talk about between Last of Us, Ghost, 
Spider-Man and the PS5 itself and everything else. But uh, thank you all for joining me for this episode. Thank you to Red, our producer, for producing this episode. And thank you to everyone listening and watching at home. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoyed that conference. Uh, please send in your thoughts to beyond at IGN.com and we can read some on next week's show. Uh, but otherwise, thank you so much for listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. Uh, and as always, beyond. 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 Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?